Ever wondered how people have managed to shatter that last ceiling, be it corporate, entertainment, or entrepreneurial? So have I. This is Gati Dijane, and welcome to another series of The Minted Couch. I have the beautiful Tabo Macheta, Quinana. And we're going to talk about her business journey. She's a fashion designer. She is globally renowned. She is award-winning. So we'd like to talk about her journey when she started in 2009. Tabo, welcome to The Minted Couch. Hi, Cathy. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today with you on The Minted Couch. Um, yes, yeah, so the name is Tabo Mahatukunana, fashion designer by trade. Um, I think I like to referred to myself as a creative now since we've been you know um i like how you start your show breaking that glass ceiling and shattering it and i mean that's really what we're pushing in our brand so i did start in 2009 um i started in port elizabeth is where i was based and since then i've done quite a bit of work i'm now based in um cape town and yeah the the journey's been quite an interesting one so tell us what inspired you. Take us back to Elusut where you were born and then you moved to South Africa. So tell us what inspired you to branch into fashion. Like what it, what, what is it about fashion that drew you as something that you can make a living out of? Mm. So, you know, I left Lesotho when I was three years old. So moved to South Africa. We moved to then called Maifiging, um, Johannesburg, uh, Peter Maritzburg, Durban, P.E., Jeffrey's Bay, <laughs> finally settled in Cape Town. But it was really all that movement that kind of um, inspired not just the fashion, but the story I tell with the fashion, which is the story of the Basotho people from Lesotho, where I come from, where I would call home. Um, and really just being inspired by all the different cultures that I came across. You know, ever since I was a young kid in my mind, the idea of doing fashion has just been there, clothing. Um, I think it's something I've taken from my grandmother, Nkunodike Lady. We even have a textile named after her, and there's a story behind that. Um, she used to sew, and my sister would say, like, you show something on TV and she could make it for you. So a lot of people used to say to me that you've got this gift from her. So since primary school, I was always sketching designs and I always thought to make something timeless, you need to incorporate a story. So incorporate the culture. So I'll go through encyclopedias. Remember back then in Kata Encyclopedia, the books. And if you looked up a country, um, I remember the one time, I don't know why we were talking about Eskimos at school. And I went to look it up in Kata. And that time, they only still had the sketches of what the traditional garments of the people from that country wore. So, and I used to use those pictures throughout Zinkata as references for my sketches. So using culture as a reference has just always been there ever, ever since I was a little kid. And I think getting into matric when now you have to make those um, final decisions about subjects and what you're going to go study, um, it was always between fine art and the fashion. And it was really my mom who also had an influence in that to say, you know, I take the fashion route because people need to get dressed, people need clothes, there will always be a business there. And really that's what inspired for me to pursue studying fashion design and then literally the year I graduated, um, started the business, which was in 2009. Awesome. I am just so encouraged and I love the fact that your fashion, like you say, tells stories. And I think stories sell no matter what field you're in. Like if you have a story, if you have a background that you can share with other people, people gravitate towards stories. So I love that about, you know, your fashion brand that you tell about your Basutu culture. So, I mean, I know that with designers and different collections and seasons, you have different stories and different themes that you have. 
So can you tell us about, you know, the different ranges and themes that you've had over the years? So um, I love the question that you're asking me now because I was asked a, a similar question when I did a presentation. Um, I think with fashion, where we're at now, it's really a preservation of culture. That's it's, I use fashion as a tool to preserve my culture. So some of the topics we've explored over the years, um, I definitely explored Queen Losha from Tumamela, trying to actually look at why do we have Africans as most of most of the time when we tell our story, we start from a place of suffering. We talk about slavery or we talk about apartheid or how we've been oppressed and, you know, um, previously disadvantaged. And my thought has always been, but our story is much bigger than that and it goes further back. So that collection, that's why I started looking into Tumamela, looking at Queen Losha, realizing that there are all these cultures and stories that we can find within those ruins that tell us that we were traders, that tell us that we were trading with the East far before the first Dutch ships arrived in the Cape. Um, and it's stories that we need to talk more about. The collection after that that I did, um, there was a very well-received collection, was called Baile. Kaso Soto Bale are the women who go for initiation, similar to the men. So, I mean, that topic at the time, I remember there was a very big conversation around um, female circumcision um, and just trying to understand the different cultures, what is practiced, because I always also kind of felt like you need to really understand what the purpose was supposed to be. Then we can come back and correct the things that aren't okay about it. So the nice thing about the way Basotho practice it, it's not like more your African countries going up, um, a lot of the reports. And it was more really during that time. So my work will also respond to the conversations globally going at that time. So that was back in 2015. Um, then the collections from there really... I'm just trying to think of the other ones that we've done. Uh, my current work, maybe let me talk to that, um, coming out of COVID, coming out of 2020. And I mean, a lot of us, um, I think even personally, still trying to find our feet again, just trying to remember who we are, what are we capable of, where do we come from? And also just realizing, you know what, you're not one thing. Um, you can't come out of COVID still being the thing that you were before, because then there really isn't any growth in that. So what we've done with our collection, um, particularly Petuho, it means to change, to transform, to transcend. And for me, that's really been my journey as well now when I'm looking more inwardly, not just like my culture, but personally. Um, and creating garments that literally do that. They transform into something else. Um, when we say transfer, we're talking about heritage. You know, what are you doing for the next generation, for your kid, when we talk about sustainability? Um, the Petua jacket, I'll show you in a few. What's really unique about it is that it's one garment that literally comes apart and you can have five people wearing the one garment. And that's what community is supposed to be about, where we take a resource and we share it amongst ourselves. Um, so I'm trying to have those conversations as well through the fashion and also just recording these things that are happening in history um, and where we found our, find ourselves and what are we going to do next. Yeah. I love an entrepreneur's um, journey especially when they start. Take us back to when you started. I mean, you were after, after graduating, sorry. It was after you were graduating and you were excited, you have this concept. Just tell us about the practical business side of it. So how did you get your brand out there? I think this was when maybe social media was starting. So it's not as big as it is now where people can just balloon on Instagram, for example. So just take us back to those days where you were sewing, where you were trying to promote yourself, up until that point where you maybe had your first runway. 
your your first showcase tell us about that mm. so i think before i even start i think the biggest thing one needs to remember especially as an entrepreneur is that about a person is a person because of others when i graduated in 2009 um we had uh, the local paper the herald and um there were editors in, in la femme who then when you used to graduate from varsity you would if you won the competitions you would get a double page like the whole feature of life fame would feature your work and i i won one of the prizes my work was featured and there was a choir that contacted us from pe that said hey look we saw your stuff we want you to do something for us and now i'm one person it's a choir of 60 people wow. and my mom was like no 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 my 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 friend from our prayer group has a son um and it was recession in 2009 at the time because he had just been retrenched from work so we got together we started the choir uniform it worked out and we're like well let's establish the business um so literally that's how i started um and it's because of others who had a platform that they put me on so that i could be seen um and then from there i guess you know knowledge is power you have to put yourself out there um you have to also get involved in in Port Elizabeth there was something called the Hope Factory where you'd go as an entrepreneur where they give you skills around business biggest 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 struggles always the financial and the money management of a business the cash flow understanding what is good debt what is bad debt so going into all those kind of trainings and lessons and learning um the thing about me as well with my business is that you know it was a bit of a struggle because when you'd go to the boutique stores um they would tell you how it's too loud it's too bold nobody's going to buy that um and you look at the aesthetics of the boutiques at the time it was very simple extremely western um, um muted colors not very much exciting stuff when you went into the boutique stores you know and for me i kept saying i don't understand cuz the same person who buys in your shop she's buying she's calling me on facebook messaging me on facebook and she wants to buy this cape but literally that's the response we got um so we really worked on word of mouth at the beginning and people on facebook were like look what i got from this amazing designer and i was doing a lot of matric dance dresses wedding dresses at the time we were doing quite a lot um and that's part of the business learning where you also realize you need to focus on something uh you can't be doing evening and bridal and casual and work. you have to somehow decide okay this is the path where we focus so what i'm telling you are things of obviously you realize over time how it all works um yeah and so from there i think our first break getting into a store was because of design and dava it was here at rosebank like i had mentioned earlier it was a store called peace which was actually a jewelry and accessory store so i was the first person she took on to put garments into a store and it just blew up it was so successful it was so well that even like the upstairs somewhere people started copying the concept um but again motuki motuka so she gave me that platform and the space here in rosebank where people could come and we found that this was the right area in the market um there's enough people from overseas there's enough people locally there's like this mixture of people moving around yeah um that really plays well with what we're trying to do and the garments we're trying to make so you know even the international trips that i get to go on that was also because of signing up into things like the hope factory or the cedar initiatives um the cape town fashion council at the time was a massive thing so again is that thing of um 
you need to educate yourself. You need to go on Google and find out what is out there and have a conversation with your peers. I've never understood this thing of like, you'll go talk to another fellow designer and then Moto doesn't want to tell you where they print their fabric or where they're getting assistance for this or that. Because guys, if we don't work together, this thing doesn't move. The train can only go so far if one person is pushing it. But it's that thing, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to make a difference, you move as a group, you go together. Exactly. So really, that's kind of like how my journey has been up until this point. Pre-COVID, how did you define success? <laughs> Post-COVID, <laughs> how are you defining success? <laughs> Pre-COVID, I think um, focus was on money. You know, as an entrepreneur, it's amazing to put beautiful, creative things out there. But I think with us was the problem is you keep creating, but you're not focusing on it and watching it through to the end to check your sizes, check your SKUs, repeat the order, make sure you've marked it enough. You're always so ready to jump onto the next thing, you know. Um, and then you're also spending money buying fabrics, experimenting, printing on leather and doing this and... Um, so I think for me, one thing I saw was that it doesn't matter how big your name becomes or how popular it is. If the business isn't sorted out, the business doesn't last. What do I leave my kids? What do I do this for? So post-2020, that was the biggest thing as well. We also realized that um, I mustn't take my gift for granted and just pursue the financial aspects of it. I think coming out of 2020, for me as well, um, actually almost lost my life that year. Um, I gave birth to my second son, had quite a lot of complications throughout the year. Um, so I'm really grateful to be breathing. And finally, when I started getting out into spaces again, seeing what's going on, um, you know, putting on a show and having a model walk up to you and say, I studied fashion design and we learn about you. Getting phone calls from Lesotho, from lecturers, like, listen, I've put this into our curriculum. Um, getting People have written books about African fashion where people come and say, Tabo, you shifted what African fashion looks like. And I think it's true because, you know, when I stand up and I look at the same boutique stores now, you have to see how much print and how much color in the very same boutiques that when I went to back in 2011 were like, nah, girl, this isn't going to work here. Um, so I'm really, really proud that I have become part of that story of changing a mindset and changing a culture. And that's what I can say I'm leaving for my kids, whether there's a hundred rand in the bank or not. I mean, we still want the business of it to it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think there are much higher things one is called to do. And the talents that you are given satisfy those things. Money comes and goes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at post-2020. <laughs> So, I mean, you've showcased a fashion all over the world. What would you say is your favorite country that you showcased where the reception was so warm and it was so big? And what would you say the similarities and differences are amongst fashion designers locally and internationally? So, sure, that's a, a tricky question because I've, I've showcased in a lot of spaces um, the response is always good. I think I had one bad trip, which was in Italy, which is shocking because, I mean, this is Milano. But it goes back to also, you know, as a business owner, don't just jump at an opportunity. Actually do the research. Um, we have luxury high fashion items. And the event that uh, we signed in for, not realizing, was more... Um, 
they call it an international fair. So when they say Africa, then, you know, when you go to Durban, you've got the beads and things. So now you've got like um, 4,000 rand capes sitting next to a $1 and get five situation. Um, so that that really wasn't great because the people who are coming there obviously came with the expectations of I've got 20 euros in my pocket and I'm going to leave with a trolley. Um, so so those are just those learning things about when you go to another country, try and have a conversation. Again, why artists keep closed with information? Have a conversation with someone else who's been there and understand what the experience was like. Is it suited to your brand and what you want to do? And I think, you know, I went to Addis Ababa. I showcased at the the African Union buildings there. So it was pretty cool as well. And there was a conference that was had um and I, at the time when I was talking about, it was 2008, 2007. And I was just talking about, you know, for me, what I have found is the more noise I make internationally, the more locally people pick up the brand. And I've seen with some of my peers and designers well, coming from Port Elizabeth, how that has also played itself out. Um, but for them, like especially the in Nigeria, he was saying that, no, with us wearing your heritage is a sign, it's, it's a wealth, it's excitement, you have to. If you're only going to walk around with like European brands, wasting labels, people do kind of look down on you. Whereas in this country, it's the opposite. Um, so I think, you know, again, it's back to that thing of trying to figure out the mindsets and shifting mindsets. But uh, internationally, I mean, the reception has been incredible for our, our brand. I think a lot of African content is taken and consumed. The issue is that when it's consumed, the money, when it gets paid back, it doesn't come to us. It's someone else who's taken our content. I mean, I mean the Louis Vuitton Basutushet saga, to name one. Um, but, I mean, it's happened to many African artists across the continent. Um, and that also comes back to that thing of us also saying, but... Guys, let's also keep the money here. Yeah. Why aren't we buying from each other, supporting each other, um, just so we can also build up our own brands? Because it's not to take anything away, for example, from an Italian brand, because that is their culture. That is what they've learned and crafted. And they've had so many years to do it because they've had the support of their own Italians supporting them to get the brand to that level where now internationally it's so big and acclaimed. So it's just those mindsets as well. I think, you know, in South Africa and in Africa, we're still working on fine-tuning. But they always say a prophet is never recognized in his hometown. So, okay, with that in mind. But, yeah. Oh, wow, interesting. Um, so over the years, how big has your team been? Like, tell us about, you know, the process from creating to making sure that the products we see are the products that we buy and that we see. So tell us about your team and what and how would you describe your management style? Okay. So I think um, when I first started, remember I mentioned how it was my mom's friend's son and we started the business together. So from then, Port Elizabeth, I think the resources we had, it was much easier to employ people, shop fittings, the whole shebang. So we had a receptionist, we had two people sewing, we had a cleaner, we had another person who just come in. So we had about a team of, uh, including myself, about six of us. Um, so at my height, we probably had about seven people in a team. Um, but then at that time as well, remember, you're also outsourcing some items where another company will assist you in creating the garments. So currently now my team is, including the store, 
Oh, we're around five now, actually. But in my studio, yes, it's three of us. Um, again, where we outsourcing a few items. So, you know, lessons learned from COVID as well. When COVID hit, uh, we rely so much on these physical spaces where we meet and see each other um, that when it gets shut down and closed, yeah, it's a problem. Um, so the biggest issue for us was all the stock that was left over where you're literally looking at a quarter of a million of stock and you can't do anything about it um, and also because of my issue at the time I, I couldn't get online and try and promote the work and everything so we've changed our model as well to rather suit a small team I'm a mother, I've got two kids, three and seven I'm a wife as well um, and then it's work so I'm sitting in a situation where I want to create a business where I'm not neglecting family, but I'm also not, you know, giving up on the dream. I'm still pushing. So the team I've got there, that's what we do where we are sitting more with the bespoke items where you'll come and order your petrol coats. We take your measurements. We'll create it for you. Um, but whereas the other garments like our dresses, we're busy now producing um, textiles to make shawls and kimonos from the new print, to get lady print that I've designed. Um, so that is also being outsourced. So my team is a balance of in-house, the guys who help me to my day-to-day, and then also those on the outside where now they have their own CMT. Like, Tabo, what do you need? When does it need to be done by, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's much more easier for me to delegate, but... I'm also very fussy, I have to be honest, and I know the guys in Cape Town will agree with me. Um, I want things done a particular way. If I could jump into a machine and photocopy myself, I would do that, and then I'd be like, you do this, you do this, you do this. And that's the thing about starting your own business from the get-go. You learn how to do everything, the accounting, the media posts. I built my own website, like all of it. Um, So it's also quite difficult sometimes to hand that over to somebody else and say, that's your responsibility. Because of course you're going to be, I wouldn't have done it like this. I don't like that. I don't know. And I think sometimes also, you know, over the years, you know, you get so frustrated. You're just like, you know what? I'll do it myself. While you're doing it yourself, who's busy designing and creating the next collection? So lessons learned as we, we, you know, on this journey. But yeah, that's how it's kind of been with my team and yeah, how I've been so far. And could you tell us about your, okay, you've, you've branched into so many things now. It's not just fashion. Um, you were talking just now about textile. And so tell us, apart from fashion, you could touch more on that. What else do you offer? Like, and tell us about a customer. So when you, when you design what you design, who's that customer that you have in mind that you know will definitely come and support your brand? Mm. So I think um, with the brand, the things I've been busy with, you know, post-COVID, you also have to look at trends. So people aren't buying clothes for themselves as much because I'm not going anywhere. So people are buying things for their home. So that's where now, for example, sustainability, we take the offcuts from all the coats and jackets. We create cushions. We create table runners. And again, you know, I'm all about community. So we've actually teamed up with um, Bespoke Africa online. So all our home decor, if you're interested in that, you'd go to Bespoke Africa and then you'd get our uh, our items online from them. Then also staying in the home decor space, um, we've just made a, a first collaboration with CTM. Yes, I, I wanted. No, I wanted to say that. Please, 
Tell us about how did that come up? I was so excited when I saw that. Yeah, so the the CTM collaboration, um, I think, you know, it's just, ah, man, it's just God doing his work. I don't know how else to put it, honestly. Um, the opportunity came across our table. And again, a note to entrepreneurs there, pick up your phone and answer your emails. Because um, one of the biggest comments I got in terms of like, you know, how, how they chose me for this was because they said, you respond. You pick up the call, you respond to emails. And that's the kind of person we want to work with. We're a big corporation. We don't have time to be chasing people. We want people who are going to show up and show up all the time. Um, so, yeah, so CTM came about We've with the team and myself. We put together, you know, the concept. It was a struggle for me. How do I take fashion, garments, clothing, something that's a 3D and put it onto a flat tile surface, you know, um, because that's the thing about garments, it's the movement. Um, how does it be bold? But you still have to be subtle because now it has to be appealing to a wider range of customers. Myself, my garments, I do have a niche market with it, um, but I think it's very specifically targeted to, I don't want to say people are culturally aware aware about culture who want to be bold who want to stand in a room and stand out because that's what my brand is all about Nike Limusotu who have traveled all across South Africa all across the world what makes me stand out and that's my story um, so that's the customer we're looking for someone who's bold enough as well to stand up and say like hey here's the story see what we are doing see what's being done um, so sorry back to the CTM story so, yeah, so CTM, we created the towels with them. I just came back now from Botswana promoting the towels at Fashion Without Borders. Um, and it's available across all stores in the country. My biggest thing with CTM, though, I'm just like, no, friends. Me, I want to go to Dubai. Ne? I want a hotel somewhere, even if it's just the lobby or, or the bathrooms and you put my towel in there. Um, so having conversations, you know telling people what we are busy doing so we've been getting some great responses we've had responses from the Gambia in, in, in Africa, we've had some interest as well from the USA about the tiles, so having that conversation I with CTM to say, okay friends, we're exporting what's next, how are we doing this exactly, um, so it's, it's been it's just been so crazy I'm absolutely blessed and I think I am the first, so next year they're going to find another designer, a creative, it could be graphics, it could be whoever, um, but for me it's very important for people to know, like guys, start now, get yourselves ready, don't sit and be like, oh there's an opportunity, I don't have a passport to fly, oh there's an opportunity, I didn't register for my tax, I don't have a tax clearance certificate, so those are all the kind of things, even these big corporates when they say we're going to sign you on as a vendor, as someone who's going to be working with us, they want to check that, hey your business is in it's 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 an order everything is done properly um so yeah that's the ctm story uh so that's our home decor but i think my focus really um coming back into the game let me say it's textiles um i'm very passionate about the basutu blankets where do they come from who's making them who's benefiting what's the actual story being told here um and with that also starting to tell my own story, you know, keeping the legacy of my grandmother alive. So DK Lady is actually my grandmother's name. So the print that we have here that we're going to launch on the 2nd of December, it's called DK Lady. So that's the textile we've done where it's a woven textile, not just printing on fabric, no. South African-based textile, we are sitting, we are weaving these things and we are making them. Um, and just seeing, because like my dream is to own my own textile mill. Um, and I think finding a mill that's willing to work with us 
because we're a small company. A lot of these mills are like, no, you must order 10,000 meters before you even talk to us. Um, and as an entrepreneur, it's so difficult from that jump. There's this weird in-between place you have to kind of figure yourself out. And so I'm quite excited for that collaboration with the mill. Um, we see how that grows into the future. Um, we've spoken about home decor. And my other one is really the digital space. Um, so I'm in the Iziko South African National Gallery. Artist in resident there. Um, I think it's the first time they've had a fashion designer uh, written as an artist, which is interesting because earlier I mentioned I wanted to do fine art. So now I'm walking in spaces where I'm recognized as an artist. So I think that's amazing. And um, yeah, so the digital space, we actually created a a augmented reality so there's a QR code on the floor you scan it and then you can literally see like a sculpture a 3D sculpture we've created with one of the codes you can walk around her can make it bigger smaller so it's the first of its kind ever in that gallery in that space so again another first for us and um, I think the digital thing for me is because I'm looking at my kids and I mean at 3 years old my son can use my phone better than I can um, and just trying to make sure how do I keep that connection for them for the next generation so that they can go into a gallery be like oh I'm on my phone oh what's this what does it look like on my phone we're interacting with art we're still interacting with culture but it's at their level so really the focus is there now with the the home decor with the technology and then also with with the textiles another question I like asking is how do you know when something is meant for you and you're just going through a challenge like this is not meant to be so I, I I'm asking this in the in the in the context of I mean everyone goes through challenges you know when you build your dreams when you build your you know your brand you go through them all so how do you know you know what let me just change direction or let me give up so from your experience what would you say what 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 would your advice be to people that are going through the most trying to make their dreams come true Mm. So like I said, um, Petua, for me, the collection is really three things, to transform, to transfer, and to transcend. So when I talk about transcend, I'm honestly talking about spirituality. Where do you find yourself? What space do you find yourself in? It's that thing of stop knocking on doors where people are trying to get you to fit into what they have behind that door and rather go find a door that's wide open that you can step into be with the people who want to be with you you know um and and it's so difficult because we recently had a situation where um i had an opportunity to work back home in Lesotho, and i was absolutely excited i've been very fussy about who i would work with um and this particular event also um was with the royal family so i thought oh okay this is going to be amazing i can't wait i'm absolutely honored um i've been a big fan of the princesses and also her majesty um we've met her before and we actually sized her for a garment a while a while ago um so i was really excited to you know get back into that space but unfortunately as a business as well you have to also be careful of which other businesses you associate yourself with so the dream could be right the heart could be right but then the people we align with to do that job don't match your energy don't match your space don't match how you conduct yourself um you know and uh, yeah so so i always laugh with my friends and i'm like guys you know what life is it's a series of figuring out how to bob duck weave tuck and roll you know because the honest truth is that there's no path you can take that won't come with its issues that won't come with its problems you just need to equip yourself so that you are able to bob weave duck and roll 
tug hide if you need to sometimes even just stand on the side of the road and watch the nonsense go past then get back on your path and continue so there there isn't really a clear-cut answer to like you know how this is life this is the the world and the plane that we exist in trouble will come your way but again who's behind you who's around you where have you placed yourself so that when those things happen your bobbing and weaving is just like a hey hey looks like you're dancing you know it's not like now you're for real shields are up jumping into a hippo um but um yeah i think for me that's what i'd really really say is that guys you, you just need to learn how to bob duck and weave um for my myself that's coming from my family that's coming from my prayer times that's coming from my church community um and that just really helps me remind myself and center myself to say like you know don't get caught up chasing the money don't get caught up chasing an idea because then unless you are calm and you know where you at you won't recognize if that's a right opportunity or a bad opportunity it's depending on what you're chasing you won't know if that's a good opportunity or a bad opportunity. Yeah, yeah. 14 years into the game. Hey. Did I calculate right? Can you tell us the highlights and some of the challenges that have made you grow? Mm. Yeah. Sure, there are so many highlights. Biggest highlight will always be Jackie Berger wearing my cape at the Louis Vuitton show in Paris um, and writing her editorial there with her wearing it. Um, that really just, that, that was, um, you know, when someone comes back and says, hey, this person is everything y'all think she is. And then people come back. Um, it's not a it's not the right word is not validation i'm trying to think when someone um but just gives you like an almost a stamp of approval to be like yes come through yeah so i think she really really did that for our brand and then another highlight as well sure i think let's put this equal as a highlight because i'm an artist you know after x amount of years of high school i'm considered an artist so i'm i'm still doing the thing i actually wanted to do so that's great challenges that have made me grow um the biggest challenge i have to say must have been 20 2020 um being faced with you know your immortality or mortality i should rather say um and just trying to think what have you done so far you know if you leave now your child is 3 weeks uh what do they know of their their mother like and i think my problem i must be honest is that um i have really big goals like i aim for saturn so for me it's not just like i was a good mom i took care of them i dressed them i clothed them it's like did you see your mom did something to change the community did you see your mom did something to impact the way people think to change because there's so many things like i'll walk down the street and get upset about a lot of things and it's just because of where we are as a society and where our hearts are what are the things we focused on be seen to be seen flashy cars german things etc etc you know um and just watching people forget about the heart of being a human and just giving that respect and love to the next person um so sure yeah mm. um Um so yeah so for me I think uh, um that ha- was such a big challenge for me uh where I did really want to make sure you know my time on this rock um I really did 
make a bigger difference I could have possibly done. And I think, yeah, that's really what's made me grow into the person I currently am now. I'm a hell of a lot more confident to stand in my light and tell you that I've done this, I've done this. Um, and it's important for my boys to see that as well, you know, um, so that they can also walk into school, which they do. I'll have parents come back to me and compliment, like, hey, wanna how he walks in and he's very strong about the personality. And I mean, that's something I take from my parents as well and what they've instilled onto me. So more than anything, it's not even really about the fashion. It's just about who am I as a person and what is my contribution while I'm here. Yeah, that's that's the biggest growth thing for me. And lastly, where do you see Tabo Macheta? Let's say five to ten years from now, in terms of the goals that you have, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your brand? Um, where do I see myself? I honestly do not know. Um, I think again, you know, for me, it's become quite a tricky question because I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I don't know. I could fall sick again. I really genuinely don't know. So for the here and now, um, what is Taba Macheto doing? You know, we are trying to give the message out there, especially to the entrepreneurs to say, you know what, build your own tribe. Number one, go out there and look for your 10,000. I have this concept in my head. I know I heard it from somewhere, but the idea is that if you can find 10,000 people, that group is enough to sustain each other and to grow financially and otherwise, you know, um, and build your own table. We, we keep knocking and knocking on other people's tables. But I found now where I'm like, no, friend. I'm going to validate you because you are brilliant at what you're doing. You're doing this, you're doing that, etc., etc. And you watch those people in your spaces grow. That's a person already sitting at my table. And quite literally, because on Sunday we're having lunch. Um, so it's so important for us to try and build our own spaces, find the people that make us feel great and build onto that and stop trying to knock down other people's spaces. So I think more than anything, that's the message I really want to get across, especially to young entrepreneurs and designers. There's so many of us there are not enough jobs. So are you going to be that person who now finds your table to create those jobs and to help that community and sustain that, you know? Um, but the brand itself, I am trying to also separate Taba Macheta, Quinana from Taba Macheta, the brand. Um, and for what I'd love to see for the brand is definitely getting more involved into textiles and really taking up more space, um, you know, in the digital realm with the, the 3D and the AR augmented reality and all that because um, it's really a space I find quite fascinating so I'd love to see for the brand um, to develop more textiles, to have our own standalone store, a flagship store where people can come and experience what we're talking about, like customer service. You can feel the love. You can touch the garments. You can design bespoke items. So just a space where people can come and just have fun, feel like it's family, feel like a warm space. Um, I think that would be so incredible if we can get to that. So that's my, my hope and wish for the brand. Um, and that, yeah, I can build something that I can leave, not just for my kids, but like for their generation and for the ones who come after them to point back to say, hey, there's a brand that stood for this, that talked about this. And yeah, it shifted my mindset, how I look at myself and how I present myself to the world. So that's the wish I have for the brand, what it would establish. And then, yeah, I mean, as for me, I'm going to continue YOLOing and living my best life, I guess. <laughs> what a great way to end this interview. Guys, there you have it. This was Utabo Macheta. Quinana. <laughs> Where can people find you on the socials? On the socials, um, on Instagram, that's T-M-A-K-C-C, T-M-A-C-C on Instagram. And then as well as Facebook, Tava Designs, website, 
tabamacheta.com and if you're looking at what we're doing with the digital and playing around check out um, my tiktok that is tabo underscore the girl um, and there it's more a bit like what I'm doing and what I'm up to not necessarily just the brand or just my personal life um, but just also a, a, a mixture of creatively like you know taking videos doing reels and just I guess enjoying life um, and in the space and time I'm in thank you so much for your time <laughs> thank you so much for your time I was inspired and I hope our listeners can just be as inspired thank you so much Sabo.